calf infections. Uh, there probably are other things like swimmer's itch and, and GI illnesses that we've already seen in the past spread during these types of events. But it's lots of different environmental exposures, lots of people close together, rubbing together, having lots of abrasions and cuts on their skin, uh, allowing bacteria that are all around the environment to find a way in. Yeah, that's Seems unpleasant. All right, I'm, I'm Nicole Burley. Thank you so much for watching on this Friday. Let's give you a quick look at a primetime lineup. The Hill starts right now. An historic mugshot now sold on what else? Coffee mugs. Former President Trump taking advantage of his booking at the Fulton County Jail in Georgia last night, using it to raise money for his campaign. Will the latest arrest hurt or help the current GOP frontrunner? Plus, the New York governor makes a desperate public plea to President Biden. Let migrants work, calling the surge of asylum seekers across the state a humanitarian crisis. And how the hit song Rich Men North of Richmond is striking a chord with conservatives. Rich men North of Richmond, Lord knows they all just want to have total control. That viral country ballad is just the latest example of how conservative pop culture is having a moment. The Hill on News Nation starts now. Hello, thanks for being here with us on The Hill. I'm Mike Vicara, and I'm joined today by what else? A great panel, like every day, Robbie Suave co-host of Rising for the Hill, Denise Gitsum, Republican strategist and former aide to President George W. Bush, Michael Starr Hopkins, Democratic strategist who worked on both the Obama and Hillary Clinton campaigns, and Julia Manchester, national political reporter for the Hill. Thanks for joining us, guys. A lot to talk about. A Friday in August. Who said August, is, August was slow? Huh? <laughs> All right, so this is the mugshot seen around the world with yesterday's surrender now behind him. What are former President Trump's next steps, and how will they impact the Republican presidential contest? We'll talk to our political insiders in just a moment, guys. But first, let's turn to News Nation Chief Washington correspondent Blake Berman. Blake, they say the medium is the message, and the former president is back <laughs> on familiar ground. He is indeed, Vic. Uh, Twitter, of course, has a new name. It also might actually have a new participant, that being Donald Trump. You'll remember he was banned from the social app after January 6th, but he returned last night after being booked down in the state of Georgia. Now, this was the post from the former president on X last night, uh, an historic one as well. It predominantly displayed the first ever mugshot of a former president. Donald Trump writing, quote, election interference, never surrender. And then he directed people over to his website. Now, on that website, a message from the former president following his release from the Fulton County Jail and... Some new merchandise as well, shirts, sweatshirts, mugs, even a vehicle sticker displaying Trump's mugshot. The former president then spoke after being booked last night. What has taken place here is a travesty of justice. We did nothing wrong. I did nothing wrong. And everybody knows it. I've never had such support. And that goes with the other ones, too. What they're doing is election interference. So that was Donald Trump last night. And just within the past hour here, President Biden reacted to that mugshot. Watch. Have you seen Donald Trump's mugshot yet? Is President Biden worried at all about that? I, I did see it on television. What do you think? Nice and good. Wonderful. 
Uh, President Biden, by the way, yesterday also tried to raise some campaign money off of that mugshot, Vic, at 7.30 p.m. on the dot. On his personal account on X, he posted a message saying that he thought it was a quote-unquote great day to donate to his campaign. Oh, boy. Okay, Blake, thanks very much from the North Lawn, Blake Berman. Okay, guys, okay, we've talked about the former president's superpower before. He takes what would ordinarily be to any politician in any moment in any of our lifetimes a disastrous event and turns it into a profitable uh, money-making machine. Yes, uh, and he is still extremely popular in the Republican uh, primary, among Republican primary voters. He's still the leader of the party. You know, we saw the debate the other day. The the two people who did the best in the debate, Ramaswamy, Ron DeSantis, they barely even criticized Trump. So when you're getting down to really people who are anti-Trump, we're talking about single digits cumulatively. So there's no way, to my mind, and this nothing has changed, Republican voters will not turn on this guy. They see him as... Their leader as as inveighing against um, the weaponization of yeah. the federal government, and he's at the center of that now. So he's more likely than ever. To but actually, I, I don't agree with that because I think you're starting to see a fissure with Republicans. You've got where? moderate <laughs> Republicans who are going to be running in districts where they're not safe that are not happy about this. They don't want to have to answer for the president all the time. If they didn't, then you wouldn't see people like uh, Vivek or DeSantis at least have some poll numbers. You know, obviously they're not being competitive, but they're both polling at around you know ten, seven, eight percent. That matters when you have uh, a... Vivek's running, running a pro-Trump campaign. He's, he's, yeah, right. he's like, Trump's the greatest president yeah. ever. He's going to pardon him if he gets in. There is an appetite, though, I think, for a, a second option should Trump either not be able to run... Well, clearly or there's not an appetite, well, but I mean, sure. he's, just, he's just killing it right now. I mean, look at the look how far away, look far ahead he is in the polls right now, in the, in the primary yeah. polling. Anyway, and it, it just seems to me that we keep making... We being Washington, right. not you guys... <laughs> People like me keep making the same mistake. We apply our conventional, time-worn Washington standards right. to Donald Trump, and his campaign, his appeal is not about the reasoning of us. No. It, it, he appeals to people on a gut level, and that's why his polling doesn't change and after four indictments. Right, and that's sort of what I thought when watching President Biden's reaction to the mugshot. I mean, the Biden administration, his team, his campaign need to be very careful about he's, how he's reacting. You know, when he's sitting there chuckling and laughing, Laughing. I don't know if that puts out the best, um, you know, image going forward because we, we know that, you know, obviously, like you said, Vic, this would be norm- normally be something that would be bad for um, any run-of-the-mill politician. But for Donald Trump, it's helping him. Yeah. I'm actually surprised there hasn't been some superimposed, photoshopped crown of thorns placed on his head and sent I out. Yeah. I mean, Photoshop that's coming. It's else. coming. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel like this is something that folks in Washington we really missed the ball on. And this is why North Men, North of Richmond, and all these populist movements where people are saying, please pay attention. You know, most Americans are stuck in levels one and two of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. They're stuck trying to understand understand how do I put food on the table and how do I have secure housing and how do I pay for my kids to do the things I'd like to do. And all of the folks that are not part of the, you know, everyone who's in the Beltway bubble and leads like the Koch brothers who who have a lot of money and don't have to worry about basics can think about how do we want to self-actualize and yeah, have okay. a better America. But Trump understands that that's not where the electorate is right now. And this feels existential to most people, this let's, election. Let's not artificially inflate Trump, though. 2018 was a loser. 2020 was a loser. 2022 was a loser. But they didn't and have now, an economy like they do now. I, I mean, the, he had COVID. <laughs> like, Trump... 
That he is an enigma. Well, none of this is good for the general election, to exactly. be clear. Yeah. I'm not arguing that what's happening to Trump is going to make him a more formidable general election candidate, but it is, it's brought the spotlight back to him, and I, if it comes to a vote among Republican primary voters, they will never vote to be rid of Trump, ever. If ever. I'm a House I guarantee Republican. you, I promise you, I'll bet you anything, they'll never vote. <laughs> if I'm a House Republican, I'm terrified right now, if I'm a yeah. swing Okay, Okay, let's, let's talk to somebody who was on that stage, or at least an aide to somebody who was on that stage. The top eight polls are showing one of the winners from Wednesday's GOP debate may be biotech entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy. His campaign says it brought in more than $600,000 since the debate. Ramaswamy took incoming fire from his opponents on the stage during that debate. They cited his lack of political experience and some of his controversial views, particularly on foreign policy. Now is not the time for on-the-job training. We don't need to bring in a rookie. We don't need to bring in people without experience. I've had enough already tonight of a guy who sounds like ChatGPT standing up here. Make America less safe. You have no foreign policy experience, and it shows. And you know what? It shows. Okay, joining us now is Chris Grant. He is a senior advisor to the Ramaswamy campaign. Chris, thanks so much for joining us. Your guy uh, was sort of a target there for a lot of the more establishment Republicans that were on the stage with him. But I want to ask you the question that one of the, the moderators, I think, is, uh, came out in public and said he, he wanted to ask of Vivek Ramaswamy and get a chance, didn't get a chance to. Your candidate said, quote, President Trump is the best president of the 20th century. Okay, so here's the question. Why does Vivek Ramaswamy want to deny the best president of the century, 21st century, uh, a second term in the Oval Office? Well, first, thanks for having me. Second, you look at that clip, and all I see is a lot of jealous career politicians going after the, going after the newcomer and the outsider, and a lot of folks who woke up every day for 20 and 30 years telling themselves they were going to be president, and along comes an outsider with a different set of ideas, and he's stolen the spotlight from them. So I get why they're mad, and I get why they're jealous. Look, Vivek's been very clear about this. He, Donald Trump is the best president of his and my lifetime, and he's running to take America First 2.0 to the next level. He's got fresh legs. He's got a, he's got he, there are things that need to get done be, in addition to what President Trump did in his first term, and that's why Vivek's running. It's that simple. Okay, one of the, the main lines of attack was on foreign policy, particularly his stance uh, on Taiwan, but in particular Ukraine. So let me, let me just ask you something. I mean, the conventional wisdom, uh, born of generations of experience, post-World War II experience, is that if the Russian leader, in this case Vladimir Putin, were to gain ground, in this case in Ukraine, uh, would he stop there? Does the candidate, does your candidate believe that if Putin has his way in Ukraine, that would not be a threat to American allies in Europe? Look, the foreign policy establishment in this country has sent us off into a series of unwinnable wars that have cost thousands of American sons and daughters their lives. What Vivek Ramaswamy is talking about, he's very clear about, which is the single biggest threat to American on American soil to American in the American security situation is communist China. And the way to deal with that is to separate Russia and drive them away from communist China. He's the only candidate on the platform who's delivered that message. So look, I'm not surprised that a series of career politicians don't understand that and that they want to protect their failed policies because it's embarrassing for them on a national stage to learn that they failed. Vivek Ramaswamy's got a different set of ideas. He's in line with the Republican base. And any poll in the country will tell you that Republican primary voters are focused on an America first agenda. We need to protect our border. We ought to be spending okay. more money to protect our southern border than we are protecting Ukraine's border. But how does that translate to, let's say, NATO, Okay, a bedrock of American uh, uh, geopolitical security? 
If Poland were, were invaded, if Estonia were invaded, any of these Eastern European countries, does Vivek Ramaswamy think that American troops should go into battle to defend those countries as they would be required to under the NATO treaty? It's a, fair, it's a very clear foreign policy. It is protect the American homeland first. Protect our interests in the Western Hemisphere first. A strong America is good for a stronger world. Right now, we have a broken border. Right now, we've got problems at home that we need to fix. We can't okay. help our friends if our fire is out. If our house is on fire, we can't help our friends whose house is on fire. We need to protect our border, our people first, then we'll deal with the other problems. It's, it, that's, the Vivek for, that's Vivek Ramaswamy's approach to this. It's an America first approach, and that's what Republican voters are responding uh, to. Okay, but so, so America can't do two things at one time. I think Mike Pence brought this up the other day. Are you saying that America not, cannot defend its allies until the southern border is secure, however you might define that? I think it's very clear, and Mike Pence, Mike Pence, and, and Vivek pointed this out on the on the on the debate stage. Mike Pence still thinks we're back in the 1980s, and that he doesn't realize that the USSR f- failed, you know, 30 years ago. The reality is, we've got priorities here at home. We've got domestic priorities here at home that we need to do. Separating Russia and China is the single biggest priority we have. Our threat right now is from communist China. That's what we need to be focused on. And going to you and involving ourselves in Ukraine drives Russia further into it. Vivek is the only candidate, and he's an outsider, so I'm not surprised that folks have a tough time with this in Washington. It's a different kind of policy, but it's one that's in line with the Republican primary electorate. All right, just very quickly, I, I want to follow up on, on the China thing. China invades Taiwan. Does America send troops to fight China? I think Vivek's been very clear on this, and I'll repeat it. Right now, Vivek is the only one who said he's going to defend Taiwan. The rest of the country has a one-China policy. Both politicians in both parties have a one-China policy. Vivek's got a very strong defend China, defend China, or excuse me, defend Taiwan policy on this. He was the only one on the debate stage that said it. He was the only one that was clear and articulate on it. So we're not surprised that the foreign policy establishment doesn't like that because it highlights the fact that their agenda has failed. Okay, Chris Grant, thank you very much. We're out of time. Fascinating conversation. I appreciate thank it. Thank you, guys. Okay, you all right. America first. Uh, we've heard that before <laughs> in, in American history. Yeah. Um, but yet, we will defend Taiwan. Vivek is right, though. If you look at the poll numbers, 70% of Republicans, self-described Republicans agree that the funding for Ukraine, there's been enough of it, and they don't want any more. I was surprised that only Vivek and, to some degree, DeSantis yeah, in that debate stage that took way. the position on foreign policy that the vast majority of Republicans agree with. That's a problem for the other candidates that they haven't reckoned with, that their foreign policy views, views are outdated from the perspective of actual Republicans. Julia, I mean, is... is are the other candidates going to get traction attacking him as being a neophyte, a rookie I think foreign the, policy? You know, it's kind of hard to tell because he is really a breath of fresh air into the GOP right now. He's a populist. He's a young guy. Um, though I think sometimes it seems like he's doing this to continue to cozy on up to Trump. I mean, in the spin room, it was notable standing there how Matt Gates and the other um, Trump surrogates were in there just talking and pumping up Vivek, essentially, uh-huh. um, you know, after the debate. So, you know, I thought it was interesting how Chris Christie went after him on this. I thought, you know, how Haley attacked him was yeah. very notable. And Haley, even though she's not polling and, you know, top three in most of these national polls, yeah. we do see a lot of post-debate polling saying that a lot of people actually love 
liked the way um, she handled herself and attacked the other candidates. Her takedown, and it was a takedown of yeah. Ramaswamy on foreign policy, was good. He's, yeah, running, he's, he's almost like running a Bernie Sanders campaign on yeah. foreign policy. I mean, I almost think that's an insult to Bernie Sanders. He's running a, <laughs> he's running a Trump light campaign. I mean, it, from his rhetoric, the words that he uses, the America first, I mean, he's basically just plagiarizing Trump's platform uh, and trying to appease him and running as a surrogate. I think he's going to have a lot of problems, as you saw in that interview yeah. with Chris Grant, answering substantive questions. Denise. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't call him a breath of fresh air. I'd call him a bunch of hot air. I think Amen. Oh, no. Everyone's annoying little brother. The, the one that just <laughs> sticks their finger in your face and you're like, don't touch me. He's like, I'm not. Tell me how you feel about you know? it. My little anyway. brother that well-spoken, I'd be, I'd be pretty yeah. proud no. anyway, you at, know, at a very minimum. It's class president energy. Which can be a bad thing. All right, all right, we're going to move it on. All right, Vivek Ramaswamy is one of the most talked about names, as you can see, from this week's first GOP presidential debate. And he credits none other than News Nation as part of his debate prep. I like your guys' town hall. That was fun. Did you see it? Very, I did. With I Leland? Did. Very informative. Yeah. Um, wanted to ask you how you're preparing for this. You know, I considered that town hall part of my debate prep, actually. That was pretty good. Wow, that's pretty cool. Our friend Leland Vitter, who sits in his chair sometimes, was uh, the moderator of that town hall. And Sunday night, News Nation will replay Ramaswamy's first national TV town hall. Another chance to hear more about his vision for America and the pitch he's making to become president. That's Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on News Nation. Okay, coming up, pop culture and politics. Rich men north of Richmond struck a chord. Is it a one-hit wonder or part of a movement for conservatives? We'll discuss all that next. It's a dope <laughs> You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Stevenson University Online is a leader in advanced degrees for nursing and healthcare professionals with master's and certificate programs in nursing management and leadership, nursing education, forensic nursing, population-based care, RN to BS, and healthcare management. New online sessions start every eight weeks. Taking your career to the next level? Let Stevenson University be your partner for professional success. Visit online.stevenson.edu. Ew, gotta get rid of this old Backstreet Boys t-shirt. Tell me why. I've washed it so many times, but the odor won't come out. Have you tried Downy Rinse and Refresh? It doesn't just cover up odors. It helps remove them. Downy Rinse and Refresh removes more odor in one wash than the leading value detergent in three washes. Find it wherever you buy laundry products. This back-to-school season, Downy and Tide are giving back with $1.5 million in scholarships. Enter to win. No purchase necessary. US and DC, 16 or older, and September 30th. Rules at downy.com slash scholarship slash official rules. Thanks for listening to News Nation on the Go. I'm Leland Vitter, delivering fact based, unbiased news from all sides. It's happening. You ready for this? The biggest names in golf. We're coming. In the hottest new place to see sports. Live Golf on the CW. Welcome to the party. Live Golf is in full swing. Rock solid. Catch all the action. What a shot! 
the biggest names in golf. Watch live coverage of Live Golf. The CW. TV. Nighttime is relax time. The best of classic TV time. Hey, that's great. Watch Three's Company, The Jeffersons, and Barney Miller. Wonderful. Only on Antenna TV. Check your cable listings. Antenna TV. You know that big bargain detergent jug is 80% water, right? 80% water? I thought I was getting a better deal because it's so big. If you want a better clean, Tide Pods are only 12% water. The rest is pure, concentrated cleaning ingredients. Oh. Me the intercom thing. Attention shoppers. If you want a real deal, try Tide Pods. Don't pay for water, pay for clean. If it's got to be clean, it's got to be Tide Pods. Water content based on the leading bargain liquid detergent. Save on Tide Pods at BJ's. At Doctors Without Borders, we put patients first and we go where we're needed most. We believe people deserve to be treated with compassion and dignity. We treat our patients completely free of charge and without regard to race, religion, or politics. And thanks to the six million people around the world who support our work, Doctors Without Borders will continue to put our patients first. No longer keep our head in the sand. Tonight on Cuomo. All right. The first question at the Republican presidential debate was about that viral song, Rich Men North of Richmond by Oliver Anthony. That's because the song is resonating. It's appealing to working class Americans and their anger towards Washington. Anthony is the first artist to debut at number one on Billboard's Hot 100 without having any previous history on the Billboard charts. A story from The Hill notes that Rich Men North of Richmond has joined a conservative pop culture moment Okay, so here's my question to the panel. Is this song really just about Democrats or is it about all rich people north of Richmond? And if you want to get right down to it, that would include Donald Trump himself. I mean, what, which, uh, what's, what's behind all this? I mean, I think there is this populist movement going through Democrats and Republicans. I think it's kind of why you're seeing this convergence on both sides. No question. Um, and I think this song speaks to that. You know, there's been some conversation about whether he's actually talking about Democrats or Republicans. And I think that's the Washington yeah, You know, I, I think this song is as much Woody Guthrie it is. as it is uh, Jason Aldean. Of course, Woody Guthrie was, was not exactly a conservative Republican, but I think it just speaks to a working class resentment mm-hmm. of the powers that be. It does. It does. And it comes at a time where I think you're seeing conservative media, conservative brands really become more niche, not only become more niche, but also, um, you know, grow among conservatives. I was at CPAC earlier this year and, you know, you have apps like the Public Square, for example, which promotes conservative brands, brands, um, dating apps for conservatives, writer, the right stuff. So you're starting to see, I think, conservatives go into a place where that has traditionally been dominated right. by liberals and that's enter- entertainment. I mean, and, conservatives uh, and Hollywood have been dominated by Clint Eastwood, right. Scott Bayo, James Woods, but now we're seeing much and much more, much more encroachment and popularity, widespread popularity yeah. among conservatives. But the the author and the singer Oliver Anthony himself uh, is just recently quoted late this afternoon to talk about this very issue, and he says, "I see the right trying to characterize me as one of their own, and I see the left trying to discredit me. I guess in retaliation that." expletive deleted, (laughs) has got to stop. 
So the author is, is sort of disowning the, the conservatives who was tried, who are trying to co-opt right. the, this message. Well, the Republican Party has let down a lot of the things that, according to the lyrics, Oliver Anthony says are important to him. He talks about feeling taxed to death, you know, not being able to make enough money, having part of his income taken by the government, by Washington, D.C. And Republicans have abandoned, frankly, a lot of their you know, so-called small government commitments. When they're in office, they spend and they tax yeah. just like anyone else. So, well, so look at, a lot of frustration about you that. You look at the approval rating of Congress, it's at an all-time low. We keep right. saying that, and it keeps getting lower. And I think this song is indicative of the fact that People are starting Congress to shed. Never really had high approval rates, <laughs> but people awesome. even it's they really go low, up during though. recess. Yeah, yeah. I think you know when I don't live in the Beltway anymore, but I used to, and I see the difference between people who live in the real world and those of us who spend time here. And we tend to see everything through the lens of politics, but most people yeah. don't. And so it actually makes me really sad when we see the legitimate pain and suffering that's being expressed through some of these these well, movies this is, this is and a songs of, being politicized. Uh, what I call like the Harry Potter sorting hat mm-hmm. phenomenon, right? You put on the sorting hat and you're either Slytherin or Gryffindor. You're either Trump or right. you're Biden. You're either right or you're left. Hufflepuff. <laughs> 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 Thank you. All right. And, and so I think what you're right. saying is so interesting, right? Well, because people don't think necessarily think in those terms. Main Street heartland people. And when we do that, we end up allowing politics to divide us further instead of addressing the real concerns that Americans need us to address. So as we get less and less connected to them and distance ourselves from sort of that sentiment or call it something, you know, people want to shed that and say, hey, can you just fix the problem right. and not call me something that I haven't even claimed for myself? Yeah. Which I think has been exacerbated during the Trump years because either, either you're with Trump or you're against Trump. And I think it's become this hard line thing where you have people who don't yeah. like Trump but also don't feel like Republicans are speaking for them. And I think you have Democrats who actually think that some of the things that he policy-wise believes in may be true, but his rhetoric and him as the representative is a terrible messenger. I think okay. he's really just the first one to do that, though. We had a whole bunch of other populists in the Democratic Party, so Absolutely. this isn't just right. a Trump thing. This means rap. We okay, got rap. Got right, it. I didn't see your fingers. Okay, I'll pay attention. <laughs> a shadow over U.S.-Mexico relations. That's what's coming up as the, U- as the GOP warms up to sending troops down south. And so is military action the right move to address drugs and the migration problem? That's next. You're on News Nation. I'm telling you to go. <laughs> Welcome back to The Hill on News Nation. And Republicans have become increasingly vocal in their support of U.S. military action against drug cartels in Mexico. And The Hill points out some of that rhetoric is, quote, rattling people on both sides of the border who worry talk of an attack is getting normalized. Republican presidential candidate and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is promising this kind of military action on day one in office if elected. I'm not going to send troops to Ukraine, but I am going to send them to our southern border. When these drug pushers are bringing fentanyl across the border, that's going to be the last thing they do. We're going to use force and we're going to leave them stone cold dead. Okay, panel. Stone Cold Dead. That was a big hit in the hall among Republicans. You were there. Well, yeah, it was. It was. And this is very much echoing Ron DeSantis' immigration plan. I think his immigration plan might have been the first or second policy proposal he put forward. And it's very harsh. Or a lot of critics would say it's harsh in how it treats, um, you know, those coming over the border and how it's really cracking down. This is something that very much plays with the primary base, just like Build the Wall did. But there is a concern, I think, among some more moderate Republicans about how this sort of rhetoric 
Democrat would play in a general election. Okay, as a practical matter, is the United States can can the United States will the United States send troops into an allies? I don't know why we should. I mean, we used to have JTF six that was established. I think they've since renamed it JTF North. Right along, I, I toured it when I was a White House staffer, no. and that's the whole point of it was to monitor what was happening and coming over the border and to keep it from happening. And it was very successful. So I'm not sure why we're having to go in. I don't really care what happens in Mexico. I don't care if they're, like, operating and doing all those things in Mexico. What I don't want and what we should, we should all be concerned about is what they're doing in America because right, they're killing I mean, the, the hundreds of thousands of Americans all the time, Fentanyl every is year. killing thousands of it's Americans on a, yes. on a weekly basis. Yeah. And so what to do about it, and I think this is what he's addressing, yeah. is this kind of anxiety, this kind of concern. Bombing our biggest trade partner is not a foreign policy yeah. or a way to deal with fentanyl being brought across the border. We need to actually deal with securing the border in our immigration policy as well as dealing border? with mental health. That? Absolutely. <laughs> but immigration is how we secure the border, not by putting up a giant wall or like these conversations. that all we right, all but, OK, so it unifies Republicans, the issue, yeah. but it's dividing Democrats. Right. right. So Kathy Hochul, mm-hmm. the governor of New York, now pleading with President Biden to do something Uh, institute or invoke an emergency order that would allow migrants, 100,000 now in New York City and New York State, 100,000 to work now. That would be a double-edged sword politically. Well, but most ordinary people want um, illegal immigration stopped and dealt with and enforced, but they want it to be easier to come here legally and then so that you work, so that you contribute to the society, you pay taxes. It's hard. You can't find... Uh, for construction projects, for building houses, we have a housing shortage. We have because we don't have workers yeah. because we have made work illegal. The American people know that's a bad strategy. So I, I thought this was good to hear from a Democratic governor say that there should be the migrants should be working. Like if they're here, they should be working. Ron DeSantis learned this exactly in Florida when he tried to toughen the immigration and work requirements there. They had problems with yeah. uh, being able to pick produce. They had problems with construction, like you said. Uh, Governor Hochul was a client of mine at the Lieutenant Governor's Association, oh. and she is 100% right. We can't just house people and give them no ability yeah, to work Yeah, but she's putting the leader of her party on the spot, right? Let them work right away. What? Is President Biden going to do that? What's the first thing Republicans are going to say? If President Biden were to allow 100,000 people who Republicans are... Republicans are going to say what they're going to say no matter what. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, Republicans aren't. I, they shouldn't be running against work. Right. The immigrants, yeah. everyone here... But those jobs are for Americans. Uh, they don't want well, to know. People who are here, some, many of them illegally, to take American jobs. That would be the rhetoric. I mean, mm-hmm. it's so they're put... As a, from a purely we political matter... Houses. Yeah. yeah. we got to build houses. You know, every one of the things I've heard on the campaign trail a lot that's true is that... You know, I ran for Congress in San Diego, which is an actual border town. But now that we have such permissive immigration laws and this president's done nothing to enforce what is even on the books, we have every county in America is experiencing what it's like to be a border county. And so for the first time, you're seeing these New Yorkers who are by in deep blue territory uh-huh. saying, I mean, if you looked at it, like this, the polls, it said the New Yorkers themselves wanted them, did a total NIMBY on these people. They're like, yeah. ship them out somewhere else. Yeah. These are not Republicans. These are not people who, are, who, who hate right. immigrants. Right. Neither are Republicans. We just want to have some sort of law and order. And as a, a daughter of immigrants who came here and did so much to earn the privilege of becoming an American citizen, my dad served in the U.S. Air Force so that he could have the privilege of becoming an American citizen. People don't understand how insulting it is to people that are like my my family who actually worked hard and played by the rules and all of a sudden you have all these people. There are so many hundreds of count- countries of people who are coming through our southern border to just get ahead of everyone who's been waiting for so long. And I think that's what you're experiencing at the root of all of this is just this frustration that there's no law and order. 
Okay, I'm not going to give you. Sorry, a I just that. yeah. <laughs> right. All right, I'll keep going. All right, <laughs> we're going to turn now to an important anniversary. It's coming up this weekend in Washington on Monday. Actually, on Monday, it will be 60 years since the historic march on Washington, and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s iconic "I Have a Dream" speech. The event helped bring about the passing of civil rights, the Civil Rights Act in 1964. And in honor of the march's anniversary, The Hill's Cheyenne Daniels asked thought leaders in the black community about what the march means to them. Here's part of her conversation with Martin Luther King III, who reflected on his father's speech. Have a listen. I have heard I have a dream thousands of times, but I've only listened hundreds. When I listen... I move to tears. If we can get our nation to hear and listen, we can perhaps make the changes to create a climate for freedom and justice and equality for all humankind. And Cheyenne Daniels, the author of that article and the producer and reporter on that video, joins us now. Cheyenne, it's great to see you uh, with us. Good Tell to me, see you. okay, Thank this. You. Yeah, it's, it's the 60th anniversary of this iconic speech. How far has the movement come in those 60 years? You know, that's a great question. And I think what we were hearing from so many of the folks that we spoke to for um, my podcast, The Switch Up, and for this video is that there has been progress made, and it's been really fantastic progress. Of course, we saw the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Um, we saw, of course, President Barack Obama, Vice President Kamala Harris, Katanji Brown-Jackson. Um, and so there's been incredible progress made, but there is still work to be done. And that is why they are calling tomorrow's march a continuation not a commemoration. Right. And so it's been 60 years. Uh, I remember covering the 50-year anniversary. Uh, it was a big deal. Is that spirit of the speech, does that, spirit does that speech still hold the same iconic status in American society that it did? That it did? Or are simply not enough people who, who remember the speech, remember the 60s, remember the strife and the struggle of the civil rights movement? Does it still have the impact that it once did? I think absolutely. And, you know, one thing that was um, coming up repeatedly was how important it was for us to hear um, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King say that, you know, very seminal line about um, his children being judged on the content of their character, not the color of their skin. But what we also heard um, from many of those that we spoke to, including the Reverend Al Sharpton and NAACP president and CEO Derek Johnson, is that there were parts of that speech that talked about um, the promissory note that black Americans were given, and that was um, given by uh, President Abraham Lincoln that um, our country has not yet delivered on. And so, you know, we're, we're looking at this speech and we're taking away the poetry, but many of the organizers for tomorrow's speech, uh, march also want to make sure that the other moments of that march and that speech are not forgotten as well. So as part of your production, you spoke with the up-and-coming governor, brand-new governor of Maryland, I should say, and a prominent black American politician, Governor Wes Moore. I want to play some of that interview right now. Our history is our strength. Our history is our foundation. Our history is the thing that reminds us every single day that nothing is impossible. That no matter what it is that we are facing, you can look back at your history and understand both as a nation, but also for African-Americans and people of color and anyone who's been part of marginalized communities as a people, that the progress that has been made has been hard fought. 
Okay, I'm going to jump off of what Governor Moore was saying there and talk a little bit about history and specifically how it's being taught in schools. Uh, the NAACP had a quote in your uh, uh, article, an attempt to bring our country back to 19th century America where black life was not valued nor our rights protected. That's a, re- that's a reference to the fight against uh, Af- uh, AP, African American Studies, and history in our schools today. What is your take on this movement now uh, to sort of do away with the teaching of this, this chapter in our history? Yeah, I think this is a a very scary moment for many advocates who um, have been fighting for this since not just uh, the Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King, but even before him. Um, And so, you know, one of the things that is very concerning is what happens if um, young black children don't get to learn about this history in their schools, but what also happens if young white children don't get to learn about this history and perhaps even their ancestors or their relatives who helped stand uh, in solidarity with Martin Luther King or Frederick Douglass. Douglas or so many of the others who came before them. And so this is this is quite a moment where um, I think there's a lot of uh, uh, excitement, but also a very big push to make sure that this history is not lost going forward. Cheyenne Daniels, thank you so much. Once again, the events tomorrow commemorating the 60th anniversary of the march. And of course, on Monday is the actual anniversary. Cheyenne, thanks so much for joining us. Great work. Okay, coming up, former President Trump's iron grip on the GOP. He has a big lead in the primary, and four indictments haven't stopped him yet. So what can? New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu thinks he knows the answer. We'll talk with him live next. Your dream home just got a little more real. Bed Bath & Beyond is back with more to love than ever before. At the new Bed Bath & Beyond, you'll find all the products and brands you know with styles for every room and budget, along with a huge selection of furniture and decor, all in one amazing online store. Download the new app today and get a 25% off coupon to celebrate our grand reopening. Plus, get free shipping right to your front door. Welcome to a bigger, better beyond. Hi, I'm Dr. Kathleen Eubanks-Ming with the American Academy of Family Physicians. Bullies use power, strength, or popularity to hurt others emotionally or physically. And while you can't be with your child all the time, there are ways you can help. If your child encounters a bully, tell them to get to a safe place and tell an adult. You can also show them how to block online bullies. Teach them they can be more than a bystander and that they can help their peers. For more on bullying, visit FamilyDoctor.org or talk with your family physician. Through Travis Mannion Foundation's Operation Legacy Service Projects, veterans, families of the fallen, and inspired civilians across the country come together under the common cause to serve in honor of our nation's heroes. Service projects include city beautifications, planting memorial trees, volunteering at shelters, park cleanups, and more. Ask yourself, if not me, then who? And register for a project near you or as a virtual volunteer by visiting oplegacy.org. I'll be here to hear what's on your mind. As an adult, kids want to know you're listening to them, but they also want to listen to you. When it comes to alcohol, they want to know your expectations and how and why to avoid underage drinking. Talking early and often about it in everyday conversations reinforces your message and keeps lines of communication open. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. I'll be by your side. 
This is News Nation, consistently ranked least biased among news channels for minimal editorializing and balanced story selection. That's why we're America's fastest growing news channel. Kids ask their parents a lot of questions. Why can't people fly? Gravity. Is the moon really made of cheese? Yep, cream cheese. When can I move into a big kid's car seat? Uh... For some questions, parents may not have the answer, but that's okay. They can't know everything, but knowing the right seat for their age and size will help protect them in a car crash. Find out more at nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Where do babies come from? Good luck, Dad. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Run the Army's race in person at the Pentagon. Army 10-Miler General Registration is now open. Go to Army10Miler.com to register now and save. Price goes up on September 1st. General Registration presented by General Dynamics. In a single moment, everything can change. When a player's sudden cardiac event brought a national football game to a halt, it shone a spotlight on the importance of CPR readiness. Now... With youth sports in full swing, the American Heart Association is rallying parents and coaches to be ready in an emergency. To be ready, learn hands-only CPR. It's a skill anyone can learn in minutes. Visit heart.org slash hands-only CPR and become a lifesaver today. Everyone has a community, a neighborhood, school, kids' teams, where you worship, work, work out, or any other place or group where you choose to belong. Communities can provide support when you need it, and even when you don't know you do. Like when it comes to preventing underage drinking and other substance use. Community members can be your eyes and ears when you're not with your kids and alert you to signs of potential problems. Learn more at talktheyhearyou.samhsa.gov. Roxanne Watson is on a mission to have more people sign up as organ, eye, and tissue donors. What drives her? Roxanne received a heart transplant made possible by an organ donor. I decided that day to devote myself to signing up the most people in the United States. (laughs) That's my goal. Now she's a powerful force for good. What could you make possible as an organ, eye, and tissue donor? Leave behind the gift of life. Go to organdonor.gov, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. We broke the story with here on News Nation. Media have ignored this story. Chairman, I'd like to submit for the record an article by News Nation. If it wasn't for y'all at News Nation, this thing probably wouldn't have broke. Welcome back. Right now, former President Donald Trump is running away with the race for the Republican presidential nomination, and that's by a wide margin. So can anything derail his chances? New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu is one of a number of Republicans calling on their party to rally behind an alternative to Trump. And the governor joins us now. Governor, thanks very much for joining us. We really appreciate it. You wrote before okay. the Wednesday debate that candidates shouldn't be afraid to attack Donald Trump up on that dis- debate stage. They didn't do it. Why do you think that is? Well, he wasn't there, right? So I, I actually think that Kenny's did a great job ignoring him for the first hour. And it's not just on the debate stage. They've got to be able to take it to him. I don't think they have to go nuclear uh, like Chris does. You know, Governor Christie does a great job just really pounding Trump. He knows him better than anyone. But everyone in their own way has to find separation with him, right? And, and some of them are doing it. Some of them aren't. I think Nikki Haley did it, did it uh, pretty well. Um, but that's really the key. It's, it's not just attacking him, but then finding out where your, where your candidacy is, assessing it as we go through the fall and saying, look, when, when the time to back out is there, you got to back out. And if the numbers winnow down, if the number of candidates challenging Trump winnow down, especially if it's one-on-one, he loses. 
loses. There's no question. The Republican Party can go forward. But that was really the opportunity of the debate the other night. For the first time in really six years, right, six years since we've seen leadership in the Republican Party without Donald Trump, and it looked pretty good. People were very happy with that debate. There was a lot of energy, a lot of exchange of ideas. It didn't fall flat. So I think it got folks very excited. Yeah, but the former president, as his ta- as his talent, sort of stole the spotlight, and he did it uh, very quickly uh, yesterday, and even the, uh, concurrently at the same time, simultaneously with the debate. Let me let me do a level set here with you for a second, Governor. It, are you opposed to Donald Trump because you don't think he can beat Joe Biden, or are you opposed to Donald Trump because you're opposed to Donald Trump? No, I'm opposed to him because he can't win. I want winners. I mean, I'm opposed uh, to him because in 2018, we lost the House. In 2020, we lost everything with that guy. In 22, we should have had a huge red wave. Him, his message, his candidates all lost, right? So why would we do this a fourth time and expect a different result? If there's anything I've learned as a four-term governor, you cannot govern if you don't win in November. And in November of 24, he's proven he can't do that. Right now, I think 70, no, just shy, 66% of America's yeah. independence, say they would never vote for that guy. You cannot win with that. So, and, and it's not just the presidency, remember. It hurts the Senate seats. It hurts yeah. gubernatorial seats. It hurts congressional seats. It hurts school board seats. And those matter. So I just want to win. Don't we all want to win? You can't change a country if you don't win. And, and he can't do it. All right. I want to uh, show the, the audience a, a, t- a quote from the article that you did write just the other day before the debate in the New York Times. You said, after the results from Iowa come in, it's paramount that the field must shrink before the New Hampshire primary to the top three or four. Uh, I believe it's mid-January is when the Iowa caucus is. That would be relatively early. Do you think it's realistic uh, especially considering, and pardon my cynicism, but a lot of these candidates are in the race not because they think they're going to win the nomination, but for other reasons. They want to be vice president. They want a cabinet secretary. They think they can make a lot of money by upping their profile on the speaking circuit, what have you. Do you think that's a realistic goal? Absolutely. Look, it didn't happen in 16. I think everyone learned kind of their lesson of that. Um, it absolutely has to happen. I think it won't just be Chris Sununu. It's not me. But it, there'll be a lot of voices. And more important, the fundraisers, the donors, the money that's out there. Uh, they have a responsibility to say, hey, we gave it our best shot. You were still in low single digits or whatever it is come Christmas. We got to get out, right? We're just clogging up the field at this point. We're sucking up oxygen. Um, and, and, and by the way, when you do that, it's, it's a better process democratically. It's a better process for the voters just to have three or four candidates. Let fo- I'm not saying who it should be right now. Yeah. I might endorse someone at some point. But let the folks really decide. When you're looking at eight or nine candidates, it's too much. It's, and, and, and they all get that. I think I really do believe most of them actually get that. Um, and most of them don't want to be vice president. I can't speak for all of them, of course. Yeah. But I don't think most of them do want to be vice president. The ones I think that were a few of them, you know, the Larry Elders that we're looking at, it, they're, they're not in the debate anymore. Um, you know, we've already winnowed it down to eight candidates, and, and it's not even September. Think of it that okay. way, other than Trump. All right. So if you get three uh, or four uh, more out of the race by November, December, it's there. Uh, obviously, you're a pretty astute politician and observer of American politics. I mean, you crushed it in your race in New Hampshire. You're not running again. So who do you think did best up there on Wednesday night? Who do you think has the best chance of, to winnow yeah. down among your three or four? I'm not asking you for your endorsement. I know you haven't given that yet. Sure. But you've got to have an opinion. Yeah, no, it's a... Yeah, of course, yeah. So I think Pence and Haley really invigorated their campaigns. They showed passion, excitement that I, I don't think the campaigns had kind of shown in a few months, and I think that was that was pretty exciting. I think Nikki Haley did a phenomenal job. Uh, they obviously all attacked Vivek, but it's, it was not a bad night for Vivek. It really wasn't. He was fairly unknown, 
And what you want to do in a debate, you don't want to blow it. And he didn't. None of them did. You want to be talked about the next day. You want to get airtime. And in that sense, Vivek did very, very well. Yeah. Uh, and then DeSantis didn't get attacked. And he didn't, he didn't, uh, you know, he didn't wilter. I mean, he just looked right at the camera and made the case why he's the number two guy compared to Donald Trump. And so he used his time very wisely. And the other candidates also did a very good job. Not as much airtime. But they did well as well. So the fact that it went back and forth and it wasn't boring, it wasn't flat, that's the best thing that possibly could have happened. And it was exciting without all the Donald Trump drama. So the Republicans got to see that. They got to see what the, the future of this party is going to look like. And, and I think most people thought it looked pretty good. All right, Governor, thanks for taking the time on this August Friday, late on the afternoon, to talk to us. We appreciate it. Thanks. You okay. bet. Thank you. All righty. Julia Manchester. Yes. <laughs> uh, will the Republican Party be able to do what Governor Romney or Senator Romney, Governor Sununu have come out and said they want to do? And that's winnow the field early in the race to take on Donald Trump. They couldn't do it in 2016. Yeah. Can they do it this time? So the difference between now and 2016 is obviously that Donald Trump is facing all of these legal issues. And, you know, I'm not predicting that this would happen, but there is, of course, a scenario um, that he somehow um, could be impacted by th these issues and he may not be at the top of the ticket. I'm not saying that's going to happen. It's just a scenario. So, you know, there, there's some other outside factors that we're dealing with this time. We're also dealing with the fact that now Republicans and voters have seen Republican voting records under Donald Trump. It's not that right. great. Um, that being said, though, primary polling is still showing Donald Trump is the runaway front runner. We can talk all day about Haley seeing a bump in some of these polls, yeah. about DeSantis seeing a bump, but Donald Trump is still just leading the pack by and large. They could all consolidate today behind a, one single Trump yeah. challenger, and it's still likely to be Trump. Okay. <laughs> All right. Coming up, now some members of Congress are asking for a special committee on UFOs. They want an answer to the age-old question, are we alone? Tonight on Elizabeth Vargas Reports, Brian Enton is filling in for Elizabeth. He'll be speaking with Harvard astrophysicist Avi Loeb, who says he may have uncovered evidence of alien life. That's about 10 minutes away on Elizabeth Vargas Reports. And coming up after the break, standing your ground against bears, the new and controversial law in Connecticut. That's next. Yikes. Tonight on News Nation. We know UFOs are real, but the question is, whose are they? What's the intent? A full lineup of UFO whistleblowers. We can no longer right. keep our head in the sand. Tonight on Cuomo. Then on Dan Abrams Live. Will former President Trump's mugshot help him politically? Plus, the return of mask requirements. And the hit song that's firing up the political extremes. Dan and his all-star panel pull no punches. Tonight on Dan Abrams Live. What if one day you went to your secret hiding place, and instead of what you came for, you found a phone number? 1-800-662-HELP. What would you do? Would you stop and give it some thought? Before drugs take their toll on you and your family, know that there is help. You can quit. For help with drug use, call 1-800-662-HELP for free and confidential information and treatment referral. Or go to samhsa.gov slash know the risks. How was your job to school? Let me tell you. I had to get my iced coffee first. I just can't seem to put it down. My favorite rapper just announced a tour. My phone was buzzing like crazy. I'm so excited. I had to text all my friends right then to talk about it. Then someone started calling me and... Let's try that again. I turned my phone off right away. I never drive distracted. 
Visit StopTechStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Do you want to make a difference in your community? Volunteer with your local fire department. Operational and non-operational positions are available, and training is provided. Anyone can be a volunteer. You just need the heart and drive to make a difference where it's needed most. When your community needs you, will you be there to answer the call? Learn more about volunteering at makemeafirefighter.org. That's makemeafirefighter.org. Hello, I'm Kate Levy. When I was just 10 years old, I lost my father, Joe, in the 9-11 attacks at the World Trade Center. He was a lieutenant in the New York City Fire Department. For 9-11 this year, now a National Day of Service, I'll be doing what my dad loved to do, helping others in need. Please join me by doing your own good deed that day. Visit 911day.org to learn more. More than 80 million Americans depend on AM radio for their news, traffic, weather, sports, and a community connection. It's the backbone of the emergency alert system, keeping us safe in dangerous times. It's critical that we keep AM radio in cars, because when cell and Internet services are down, this free emergency service could be your only lifeline. Text AM to 52886 and tell Congress we need AM radio in cars. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. You're listening to Elizabeth Vargas Reports on News Nation's audio stream. Available 24-7 on the News Nation app or just say, Alexa, play News Nation. When it comes to a gun suicide attempt, all it takes is a moment. Heather and I had an argument just like any other couple. I was lost. I had snapped. I had a gun and I was going to take my own life. Heather helped me realize that there was still a life to live for the better of myself, my family. My weapon is now safely put away. A moment of crisis can happen to anyone. Store your guns, locked, unloaded, and away from ammo. Hear more safe stories at endfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by Brady and the Ad Council. She was five. I saw her at 73. Nobody else had concerns. She wasn't participating and slept mostly. Her mom listened to her gut and brought her in. They assumed the reason was her dementia. Mom was right. Her daughter couldn't hear high frequencies. Instead, it was a profound hearing loss. And after helping her... Educationally, she just took off. She's participating in life again. Find an ASHA certified audiologist today at asha.org public. The impact of a meal goes well beyond feeding our bodies because feeling full can sound like this. How did the interview go? I did it. I got the job. I can't believe it. And like this. Mom, I got first place at the science fair with my volcano project. That's amazing, sweetie. Congratulations. Because when people are fed, futures are nourished and everyone deserves to live a full life. Join the movement to end hunger at feedingamerica.org slash act now. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. She's not just a caregiver. She's essential to me and my family. Join us in celebrating 25 years of personal home care. Welcome back to the Hill on News Nation. Bear break-ins are becoming a problem in Connecticut of all places. A record high, get this, 67 home entries were reported last year. And now there's a new state law that allows residents to shoot and kill a bear if they feel they, like they are in danger. Okay, so the panel, good or bad idea? I mean, the law can't it seems like a no-brainer. to do something you're already 
existentially allowed to do. You <laughs> may survive shoot a bear if yeah. you're in trouble. Um, it's the right to bear arms, I believe. Oh, oh. my I swear, does this only I want, to, I want to get mine out first. I'm oh, sure we'll hear more of these yeah. kinds of things. Does this I, only apply to black bears? Listen, all I hear is that even under this president, even animal crime is going. Oh, my God. I know, sorry. It's a Friday. Taking all the shots. You got a bear take So I come from a state where alligators and snakes break into your house, and I haven't really heard of anyone in church happen shooting an alligator. So with bears, I just can't. Yeah. I well, I, I, it's cool. yeah. What are you supposed cool. to do when a python invades your house? Connecticut, move, by the way, according move, to the New York Times. Connecticut is the only state in the move. Northeast with a significant bear population, but no bear hunting season. So, I, I you know, a, a bear comes into my house and it's me or the bear. Me, my kids are the bear. I'm sorry. The Depends bear. on how my much you like coming out on the short end of that. <laughs> I only have to be faster than the kids. <laughs> Survival of the fittest. I love it. This is why I don't count. All right. Thanks for watching The Hill on News Nation. We will be back Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern. Elizabeth Vargas reports with guest host Brian Enton. He's fabulous. It starts right now. The spark that started it all in Maui is now the center of an explosive lawsuit filed by the county. Hawaiian Electric Company facing claims it failed to shut off power before the fire started. Would that have prevented the horrific loss of life and property? Then a Harvard professor being dubbed the world's leading alien hunter is expanding the minds of sky watchers. Is it a matter of when, not if, we find extraterrestrial life? Plus a flurry